Welcome to the McDonald Home Care Podcast Series, Episode 4. Okay, well, welcome everybody uh, to all those who are listening. Thank you for, for tuning in. Look, it's my absolute pleasure to, to welcome Vicky Massey to our Care in the Community Podcast Series. Vicky is an international nutritional health coach and founder of the Victoria Albury Health Coaching. She's also a lead ambassador of the UK Health Coaches Association. So welcome, Vicky, and I'm sure the people listening are very, very keen to hear about you, about your life experiences professionally, and just the way that you've, I guess, supported and um, advised many different people from different walks of life, really, to live healthier and more holistic lives. So if I allow you to sort of maybe explain yourself and uh, who you are a bit further, that'd be great. Of course. Thank you, Lee. So yeah, I'm Victoria. Nice to um, meet everyone today. Um, I got into health coaching just a few years ago, two or three years ago now. Um, after many years of suffering with food intolerances myself, um, about eight years ago, I discovered that I had um, a dairy intolerance. Um, just happened quite suddenly that I couldn't eat it anymore. It was really having a bad effect on me. And um, actually, when I looked into it a bit deeper, I have suffered with eczema my whole entire life, as have my grandma, and always put it down to the washing powders I was using or uh, certain products I was using on my skin. And actually, when I eliminated the dairy, my eczema seemed to improve as well. And that was really the first insight I had into how food affects how we feel. Once I had discovered that, my husband, James, he then discovered that wheat was causing him some issues with effects such as really achy joints, um, brain fog, stomach issues. And again, that enhanced our interest in this sort of field. And then when my son was born five years ago, he was actually born with dairy and wheat intolerance. And again, we saw the impact it was having on him and it was impacting his mood, um, his stomach. He was crying. He would get a rash. And actually seeing that impact on him, um, again, just sparked our interest further and further and further. So when I discovered what a health coach was, and I hadn't heard of one before, it's very popular in America, but we hadn't really heard of anything on the health scene in the UK. It really called to me. It was everything that I'm passionate about. It lit the fire in my belly. So I knew that I had to study it straight away. And as I was going through that process, my grandma became quite unwell. She had cancer. She was unable to now deal with the medications that she had been taking for many years. It was causing such issues with her kidneys. And really slowly, we watched her decline really sadly. And it was that feeling of helplessness without going to live with her. And she lived in Dorset and I live in Surrey. I have two children now. I was unable to go and live with her and cook the food for her myself. I found it really difficult to sit on the sides and watch that taking place. And I really felt for my, even my family to understand the impact that the food she's having is enhancing her symptoms, that I really had to be qualified in this area to talk about it. So that was what pushed me into doing it, I guess. And um, now to understand the power of health coaching um, and seeing it transform lives in front of my eyes is a real, real privilege. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it's and it's just so good to hear sort of this has come out, you know, your, this new career direction for you, as you said, that passion in your, in, in, your, in your belly really has come from your own experiences, both in your own body, which obviously is vital, isn't it, to understand what's going on and what's actually improved. But you've seen it in, you know, 
similar age people to yourself, like your husband, your children age, but also your grandparents, which gives you very much a holistic sort of viewpoint, I guess. It really does. And I think the thing that really drew me to it was the aspects of the rest of your life that you don't realise are impacting how you feel. So actually food is almost secondary to how your relationships make you feel, how your social life makes you feel, your career, your finances, all these things play such a big part in what you choose to eat and how you fuel your body that the food is almost secondary. Um, and that part of it really fascinates me as well because we're changing lives through looking at a whole person approach a whole health approach which is really unusual in the healthcare community yeah definitely and there's definitely a lean towards that isn't there and in, in in the sense of just culture of the world really looking at the the whole be the, the well-being of the whole person now rather than just maybe just the food or just the social interaction. There's there's lots of more holistic sort of insight going on and research that comes out, which I'm sure you've sort of been, I guess, you know, advising people on as part of your your health coach role, I guess. Yeah. And we're really trying to, I guess, educate people in, in what health coaches do and how powerful it can be within the healthcare system. We would love to see a health coach in every GP surgery, in every community, in schools, in businesses, because we really are having an impact on everybody's health. And, um, you know, we've got a sick nation out there and we've got a health system that actually is really a sick system. It's, you know, you go to the GP and they'll give you medication to help with the ailment that you're dealing with but actually we're not really getting to the root causes because there just isn't the time there is too much demand on the NHS for them to look at that and actually that's where a health coach can really come into play where we can really get to the root cause um you know why aren't you exercising why aren't you able to eat well and uh, what is causing your underlying stress and inflammation in your body and uh, we can get to the bottom of that by working one-to-one -one with clients and I'm really passionate obviously about the schools I have two young children and you know, we've got a real culture of diets and processed foods um, that are being marketed to us on a daily basis. And now we want to be in a place where they, they understand how the importance of the food and what they're putting in their bodies, but also learn how to listen to their bodies. Because I think as adults, we're learning how to do that. And if you can learn that from childhood, that would be amazing. My son often gets quite agitated and angry. And actually, it's just because he's hungry. So trying to, to help him understand that. So as he grows up he can understand oh I've got you know I'm getting a bit hungry now maybe I should have something to eat um you know as a lot of adults don't realize that we get hungry <laughs> <laughs> that's the new the new terminology I've heard, I've heard, heard that a few times actually yeah that's true I know my wife will not appreciate me saying this but yeah she she's definitely in that category with food it's you know if, trying to, to uh, sort of negate what's going on for her right now why why am I getting the look it's like oh maybe maybe it's food maybe food's a big deal for her so I, I completely get that and it's I really really great <laughs> and it's really great because you know you've touched on a few things there which we'll get into the podcast session because um uh, about GP and hospitalization which I think is really important because I guess part of this session or this podcast we really want to highlight the importance of what good nutrition and hydration looks like really for the quality of life especially for those in the elderly community mm. so it'll be really good to hear about your own experiences with elderly family maybe a bit more of what you said and just or just clients that maybe you've seen firsthand um, especially with those who are living by themselves so um, as I mentioned my granny was the first person sort of inspired me to do this 
she was um she lost my granddad so there was this instant um change of um situation she was very lonely my uncle came to live with her but he was working um a lot so he didn't have time to provide that social aspect that i think elderly people really need and that that comfort of having someone else and that connection so that was one aspect and she lived in dorset and Having lived so far away, when we go to see her, she would often look very grey when we first got there and um, quite ashen and, you know, perhaps a bit depressed. And actually, once we've been there for a few hours, you could see the colour come back in her cheeks again and the happiness of seeing everyone in the house and sharing food together at the table. Um, It was really, really special. So um, that's a memory that I really treasure. My nan lived on her own uh, for many, many years. And again, I think loneliness was a huge aspect of her health and and stress. She had to do, you know, a lot of things for herself that I think contributed to having a stroke. Um, Quite young, really, to have quite a major stroke. And the one thing that really struck me with her is I found out once she'd had the stroke when I did a lot of research into it, that actually I think it's 90% of people that have strokes um, then fall into depression. Um, and she'd never seemed to do that. And I wonder if that's because she had learned to manage her emotions a lot over the years of loneliness that she might have experienced before. But also she had this drive to get back to the way she was. And even though we could see that she probably wasn't going to get back to the health that she was at before, she, um, you know, to the point she was running around Petersfield Heath, that was her, her health before, um, <laughs> which was amazing. She actually, enabled, she got herself better enough to live by herself again. She just, she didn't want to end up in a home or, um, it, you know, necessarily being cared for. She wanted to be able to be independent. And that was what was really big for her to be in her house and be independent. So the carers came in and we made adjustments in her home. And I think that's what really helped get her to a stage where she was comfortable But then there's this whole food element. So my mum would um, cook foods for her, do her shopping for her and the carers would come in. But I think there was still this element of you almost can't be bothered. It's, you know, such an effort to make food for yourself, especially if you've got issues with your body not moving as effectively. I think drinking was also a big thing for her, not drinking a lot of water. And it was very frustrating. But equally, it was really hard for her to go to the toilet because she'd have such an effort to get upstairs. It would take a half an hour. So now I can really understand how difficult it was for her, whereas probably then I didn't really appreciate that. And in terms of the food, although it's frustrating from the outside that you know, I want her to eat all these lovely healthy foods, well, she found it really difficult with her teeth. She needed soft food that were easy for her to digest because, again, she was sitting down quite a lot. So you don't want a load of you know, heavy food sat in there. So um, I really appreciate that now and I sort of wish I had then. Most recently, I guess, that we've been supporting our neighbour and we probably can't... Un- unable to support him as much as we'd like to but we discovered last year his living conditions are really not great my bedroom backs onto his bedroom and actually I found out that he was instead of sleeping in his bed he was sleeping on the floor um which really upset me (laughs) it really affected um you know I just couldn't believe that that's how he's living and he's living he was actually hospitalized um I think it was probably two years ago now and while he was there actually some cleaners were sent in to sort out his house because we discovered that he was just the only space he had in his house to walk was from his front door to his bedroom where he was sleeping on the floor his bathroom wasn't working he had no wash facilities he had no access to running water he has a microwave but an oven that doesn't work and his whole place was full of stuff that he's been hoarding so the only space he had to walk was from the bedroom as I said to the front door and that's how he's been living for god knows how long we've lived here for 10 years and um we've never seen one person visit him he's his curtains are drawn all the time I've never seen him open the curtains and 
just before Christmas, we said to him, um, we actually took around a Christmas dinner for him. And he said, thank you, because otherwise he'd be eating McDonald's over three days over Christmas, because that was all he could get hold of. And we've noticed that he, we first discovered really a bit more about him because he shouts quite a lot um, and we can hear him. We live in flats, so we can hear him quite a lot. And he's shouting, he gets very aggravated. We hear him on phone calls and he's shouting and swearing and it's, it can be quite unpleasant. But actually we've recognised now that it's when he's not eating and when he hasn't had a food delivery or when he, we haven't taken him food or it could be because he's hydrated as well actually thinking about it but actually we've noticed that pattern and we live next door we're not even living with him that's quite interesting yeah and you've touched on quite a few things there um about people living alone you know maybe isolated whether they're old or even a little bit younger but it's it's it really is a silent killer and it, it does affect so much of that person's well-being including the nutrition hydration like you said that people maybe who are living alone that they're just yeah, emotionally, psychologically, just not really engaging in the enjoyment of food. And that's something we'll touch on a little bit later. I just want to read something. It's, it's the definition of malnutrition is defined by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. It says here, a state in which deficiency of nu nutrients such as energy, protein, vitamins and minerals causes measurable adverse effects on the body composition, function, including social and psychological and clinical outcome. I guess it'd be good, Vicky, if you give us some basic understanding of how the actual body functions, especially of older people. We talked about sort of brain and bones and muscles, those types of things. And what specific types of food and fluid would you sort of say is most beneficial for those who may be listening? And it really resonating with that type of scenario of your grandmother or your neighbour. So firstly, the heart, it has to work much harder. Um, the blood vessels and arteries are stiffening as you age. So the heart is working much harder. Your heart muscles have to change to adjust to that extra workload. So it just increases your risk of high blood pressure. In terms of your bones, they tend to shrink, which obviously makes them weaker and susceptible to fracture. And your muscles at the same time lose their strength, which obviously affects coordination and stability. Then you've got your digestive system. So your large intestine, which eliminates all our toxins. It makes structural changes. So it can be difficult passing food, which isn't helped by lack of movement, lack of fibre, lack of fluid. That all contributes to making it worse, as well as medications and iron supplements and even medical conditions like diabetes contribute to that. Then you've got your bladder, it becomes very elastic or come, becomes less elastic, sorry. Um, so meaning you have to go to the toilet more often um, and a weakening of your bladder muscles or pelvic floor or even an inflamed prostate can make that worse. Um, and then your brain undergoes changes that can make memory very difficult. So some good habits to get into that will support all of that will be to include daily activity. So walking, um, swimming, maybe when we can. It's very gentle on the, the muscles and bones. Um, yoga. Um, these all help to maintain your healthy weight and they lower the risk of heart disease as well. They keep your digestive system moving, keep your bones and joints moving with some mobility as well. Keeping up regular hygiene is really important, like teeth brushing, regular health checkups for your ears, eyes, those sort of things will be really important to keep up with. Um, sleep is so, so important for your healing and repair and also for your memory. So those are a few things to start with that are the basics to start with, I would say. And obviously going to the toilet regularly and not holding it in to help your um, large intestine work its magic as well. So 
In terms of drinking and eating, avoiding toxic substances, so smoking, contributes even more to the hardening of your arteries and increases your blood pressure and heart rate even more. So we're already putting loads of pressure on the heart and that's just adding to it. So, you know, if you're needing help to quit with those sort of things, that's something that I help clients with, looking at why people smoke in the first place. And obviously GPs can help with that as well. Alcohol affects it too. Um, so it affects um, how your body's moving, how your blood's pumping around. Um, so that's something to best avoid. Obviously, the best thing for hydration would be water. Um, tea, coffee to an extent, but that's also um, caffeine is a quite a toxic substance for your body as well and really impacts your sleep. So I try and avoid that. But if you can drink decaffeinated, then great. I would much rather see people drink more water over those sorts of drinks. But at least if you're having tea, coffee, you're having something, I guess, better than alcohol and, and um, smoking, I would say. Um, in terms of a healthy diet, so eating calcium-rich foods would be really important for your muscles and bone health. Um, broccoli is really high in calcium. Kale, green foods, um, salmon, uh, lots of omega-3s in there and dairy products. Although I would limit the amount of dairy products, I'd much rather see people eating the broccoli, the kale, the salmon, then more dairy. Vitamin D is really important. So normally we get that from sunlight, but if you're not getting out as much and moving around and obviously the winter, there's not much as much sunlight. So taking that as a vitamin supplement, I think that's beneficial for any age. Um, science is showing now that actually babies should be taking, should be having vitamin uh, D um, all the way th through adulthood and then to the elderly. Um, particularly in the winter, if not all year. And it really supports your immune system as well. So particularly at the moment, that would be really important to have. Um, now, interestingly, this might be controversial, but red wine and chocolate are known as longevity foods. <laughs> so they really they really help with longevity of life. Um, actually, the oldest living person was 122 years and 164 days. And um, when she was uh, studied, uh, studied about her diet, wine, uh, red wine in particular, it has resveratrol in um which comes from grapes and there's obviously more of it in red wine so because it's fermented longer um and that's known as um a good uh, longevity of life vitamin then you've got olive oil was part of that diet as well chocolate and honey um chocolate the number one longevity food known that's an amazing fact for you so here you are your health coach is telling you you can have red wine and chocolate but the Chocolate, we're not talking about, you know, big bars of dairy milk and galaxies and Cadbury's, talking about real chocolate. So um, dark chocolate, preferably. Um, if you can get over 90% cacao in there, fantastic. But at least 70 would be great. Um, a couple of squares of that a day would be really good as well for you. So just a few little things. Yeah, if you're thinking that you need a little treat, those are some couple of suggestions for you. Yeah, it's, it's good to put to end on those suggestions and those things that a lot of people do love, actually, because you go through the, the list that you do, you did, and, and, and obviously the support that you provide people. And obviously, a lot of people know that, you know, that there may be their diet is not that great. And the thought of more greens on their plate rather than, you know, um, other foods or the drink side of things like you talked about. So it's nice to know that actually honey and chocolate the right chocolate and wine is, is still up there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's beneficial um so i i know from like supporting older people in the community through through the the care service that we provide that a lot of people do rely on frozen or ready-made meals as, as this can be a lot easier to manage we sort of touched on that a little bit didn't we about the the ease and the practical nature or just the loneliness of wanting to prepare meals you know uh, just for yourself really 
So it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts and recommendations about ready-made meals uh, versus freshly cooked meals in regards to sort of health and well-being, especially for the elderly. Mm. Well, obviously, if you're living on your own or, you know, not cooking for anybody else, then there's that aspect of waste, isn't there, that you don't want to buy big bags of kale or big bags of greens or two salmon fillets because you've got no one to share it with. So um, that's an aspect of why I guess ready meals are, are there and why people choose to have them because they're, they're quick and easy and there's portioned up for you. And obviously you could just heat it very quickly. Unfortunately, the way food is made these days is very different to the way it was, um, you know, many years ago. And this is the difficulty that I tried to share with my grandmother. She didn't, I guess, understand. The food is produced in such a different way. Now it's full of lots of preservatives. The way our fruits and vegetables are grown are full of preservatives and um, pesticides, which is so different to how it used to be grown. Apples, I think they have something like 60 odd different pesticides sprayed onto apples when they're grown. So this is something to bear in mind you know, when, when you're eating this stuff. This is toxic substances that are getting inside your body and that will be having an impact somewhere if we don't eliminate them. So um, the way food is grown and prepared, um, this is something that I'm really passionate about. I'm also an ambassador for the Real Food Campaign. We're really passionate about helping communities understand where their food is coming from, from, we say, from soil to plate. So even from animal rearing, you know, we know about battery caged chickens and we want to be eating grass fed uh, meat if we can. We want to be eating line caught fish, you know, not um, farmed fish if we can help it. That's, you know, those sort of things are really important. And in these ready meals, you know, we've got lots of preservatives in there to enable us to eat it whenever we're ready. Um, Lots of salt content. If you look at the ingredients on there, there might be quite a few ingredients that you wouldn't even recognize and really they're all toxic substances that we're putting in our body if you look at an apple there's one ingredient if you look at a home-cooked meal that you know everything that's gone into it that is so different to eating a meal that somebody else has made and put in a packet for you not only that you know you've got toxics coming from the plastic that it might be in as well and that then you're heating in the microwave perhaps Um, so that's a whole other element and I won't go down that road because it's too far (laughs) to go down today Um, but that's another element to consider as well. Something that we talk about and it might sound a little bit woo-woo but food that's home cooked just tastes so different from food that is um, ready-made in my opinion. You know how much nicer is it to go to a restaurant where it's a family-run restaurant? The food tastes so much better than in a chain restaurant where it's all mass-produced, it's reheated. Um, You know you want to go to the restaurant where the the grandmas pass down the recipes through the generations and you're eating that food that they did. That's just so different. So we talk about this extra vitamin, vitamin L, the vitamin love. When that goes into food it feels very different. Cooking food Eating food that someone else has cooked for you or cooking food for someone else is just such a joy. It brings a whole other level of joy to it, which you don't get from just picking food off a supermarket shelf. We have a saying that know the hands that feed you, that will help your food taste better. It's a nice way to think about it, I think. And I find if you're cooking the food as well or someone else has cooked it for you, you're taking more time over eating it. So you'll digest it much better. We all eat very quickly, I would say. I don't really know anyone that eats slowly apart from my son um it drives me crazy but actually we want to be eating slower we need to digest our food properly you know moving it around our mouths that saliva breaking it down enough so that it can go through our digestive tract and get into our intestines and break down enough we want to get all those nutrients and minerals out of it when we're eating this good food so we don't want to be rushing it through and our body not be able to get the goodness out of it 
So there's companies now that are really um, leading the way in helping this argument of convenience versus healthy food. And there's things like um, Gausto and Mindful Chef and uh, there's a few companies like that where you actually choose the recipes and they send you the ingredients. So then you still cook them if you can. Um, There's no waste because you've got exactly what you need to make those recipes. And then um, you enjoy this lovely food that you've cooked. And it looks great as well. It's always really colourful. There's always vegetables. Someone else has worked out the nutritional values of it for you, which is great. And then you've got companies like Cook, who I know you work with, Lee, and I know we'll talk about them in a moment. Um, But they have this fantastic selection of home-cooked food. And you can feel that love that's gone into that that and how different it tastes we've actually um a few friends and i have just sent a big box of cooked food to um a friend of ours who's a paramedic and you know really struggling to cook herself and her family food at the moment because she's so busy and stressed at her work so just to have that coming home from these 16 hour shifts that she's doing that are mentally draining and being able to have a home cooked meal to just put out the freezer is um you know changing her life it sounds dramatic but it really is no definitely and 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 i think you sort of touched on there that you know not all pre-made meals are not you know they're not all bad you know you talked about obviously there there are lots of more preservatives and salts and the packaging and things that that make them last and all those sorts of things but there are actually really good companies out there that are are promoting meals that are, are cooked with that that vitamin of love as you said and just are nutritious and but they're also practically easy to prepare for older people I mean, again, and it just highlights that it's not just what's going into the food, I guess. It's actually that person is eaten by themselves is one of the biggest things that um, I guess, you know, it really does enhance the whole eating and drinking experience, doesn't it, from a physical and emotional level. I guess the listeners, so some of the listeners may have elderly loved ones who are living by themselves, um, who who I guess have tried everything to encourage their loved ones to eat better or drink more water or, or less of this and more of that. And it just can be just so frustrating, really, um, especially if they don't want to listen. So I guess on a practical level, how do you feel that you could encourage those family members to support their loved ones who, who may be living by themselves, who are taking the easy route, who are, you know, are not getting the right nutrients or proteins or minerals or vitamins? Um, It'd be really nice to hear your thoughts about any practical examples you could do, you know, you could advise to those types of people. So first of all, I'd be thinking, does the food look good and does it smell good? Because if it does, you know, we we almost eat with our eyes first, don't we? We see that food, we smell it cooking and we, we eat that way before we even taste it. So if it looks and smells good and they start that tasting process before it even begins, I think that's really important. Um, so perhaps cooking the food there with them so they can watch you would be a really nice thing to do if you can um is it easy for them to eat that'd be something i'd be thinking about so you know it might not be that they're being lazy it's just that they can't practically eat it it's really hard for them to cut up or it's really hard for them to chew their teeth um so is it actually soft enough for them to be able to eat you know consider soups there's loads of beautiful recipes for soups you can put so much goodness in there that they probably won't even realize is in it and they just taste so nice and they're so easy to eat and so easy to heat up and so easy to store that would be something that I'd recommend even juices I did try and get my grand to eat um drink a green juice once and yeah she didn't have it again (laughs) but if you can do juices or smoothies again like I do with the kids really I just put as much goodness in as I possibly can that they won't even know about a flaxseed is one of my little things in a jar in my pantry that's just such an easy thing to add in it's full of fiber it's really good for you good for your digestive system and you can just add a spoonful of it in and no one knows about it it's great 
avoiding caffeine if you can. So encourage them to drink more water. That's not always easy, but why don't make it look nice? We, you could put a jug out with um, things like cucumber and mint in or apple or oranges slices or lemon slices just to make it look nicer um, and make it look more appealing would be a little way to encourage them. And even having like a jug or a bottle that they could pour out of into a glass so that you sort of measuring how much they're drinking during the day and they can see that it's going down. That would be a good way to do it as well. I guess, you know, some people don't want to have to keep going into the kitchen. It's, it's quite a lot of effort to go and get the water. So have it ready for them. That would be great. Things like um, porridge. So, so easy to get a lot of goodness in and look for companies that are making food easier for you so companies like cook but i know a company called the great british porridge company and i actually bought a few packets of their porridge for my neighbor it's porridge full of goodness in lots of different flavors and you just mix it with water so easy he can have that at any time of day he doesn't need to store it anywhere it's in a packet so it will last for ages it's all dried but it's got all the goodness that he needs it's dairy wheat free really good for you and just easy for them to eat it's soft and it's full of goodness I think it's great and are there any other easier ways to get things in their diet a fruit and veg box perhaps we have a lovely um, fruit and veg box that comes uh, a seasonal fruit and veg box that comes from milk and more they deliver our milk and they deliver our veg box and just seeing that fruit arrive and how lovely it looks this week was full of kale and full of greens it looks beautiful and it makes you want to eat it because it looks really nice you could pre-cook meals for them so like mince is a really soft meat to have you could fill a bolognese or chili with loads of goodness without them again realizing and it's something if you're cooking something for you why not leave extra portions so that you can give that to your elderly relative when you next see them so they can have a stock in their freezer of this lovely home-cooked food and think about when you cooked it or better still share a meal with them I mean that would be the ideal if you can a little tip for you when you're making your roast dinner on sunday if you do eat roast chicken get those bones when you finish don't chuck them away put them in a saucepan fill them with water chuck in a bay leaf and some onions maybe and some other veggies and make a chicken broth all you do is leave it on the stove for a good i would say six to nine hours would be optimum because you really want to pull that collagen out of the bones of the chicken and use that as chicken stock to add into their soups. That will be so good for their bone health, for their skin, for their digestive system. Chicken broth is full of probiotics, um, so it will be great for their gut as well to keep them healthier. And that's a really easy thing to do. It doesn't take much effort. And you can just use that chicken broth without them even realising. Or if they want to, they could drink the chicken broth, but I haven't done that yet. Um, (laughs) Sharing a meal with someone, as I said, um, would be the ideal if you can. And we do have this um, sort of saying, we say cook once, eat twice. So if they're having some boiled eggs in the morning, suggest they cook three and then they've got one for the next three mornings and just keep them in the fridge. If they're making a salad, make it big enough so they've got enough for a couple of days. If they're making soup, make enough for four portions. You don't need to be cooking every single day. And I certainly don't want to be cooking every single day. So I really try and overcook when I am so that I've got the goodness to pull on when I need it. The, the good food and then if you're saving the portions left over from when you're cooking that feels almost like a ready meal doesn't it you've put it in the freezer you can pull it out quickly cook it but you know you're getting some goodness and some home-cooked food I've tried the sharing um, research I've tried getting my grand to listen to certain things I've tried not buying certain foods I've tried going about it from telling the rest of the family that she shouldn't eat this and shouldn't eat that I've shown her books that didn't really work to be honest <laughs> 
So the best thing I could do was provide her company, you know, and talk to them about the other things that may be impacting how they're feeling and when, why they're not looking after themselves if they're not. Um, the loneliness aspect, you know, do they want connection? Can you ring them? Can you make a bit more of an effort to ring them? And something the UK health coaches are, are really passionate about is having a purpose and meaning in life. And I think that gets perhaps a little bit lost at that age. I think you perhaps, um, you know, your purpose in life is to to have a family uh, or to your job and then you retire and then your family have their own family and then perhaps they move or their lives get quite busy. And then I think you maybe think, what is my purpose and meaning of my life now? So I think that aspect really plays in and... Um, I think thinking about that when we're talking about a whole health approach, that's definitely an integral part of bringing someone to better health and helping them feel happier. You know, are they feeling left out of society? We are moving towards a cashless society. We are all online now. Um, even our banking, you know, is all online. Food deliveries is all online, especially it's got even more enhanced with COVID. You know, that is going to be an aspect that plays on on them. So I think consider that as well, not just about the food. We always look at, the food is almost secondary to what I look at with clients. I always start with the more of the circle of life stuff first. How are they sleeping? How's their home environment? How are their relationships? How's their joy? Have they got any joy? Are they moving their bodies? Before we actually look at the nutrients and the um, intricacies of what food they're putting inside them. Wow, there's some really good stuff there. I mean, I'm just trying to make some notes myself already because it, it is it is so, so important. And you've given some really good practical tips from both, I think, for families who I think just picking up on some of those little subtleties of how they can actually encourage or get good stuff in into, you know, their, their family's, I guess, diet, you know, but, you know, and, and just being there, being present, the smells, the, the stimulus of all of that, just sharing a meal, I think those things as well as the other side where you know that can't be done and geographically it's uh, really limited so for those people knowing that actually there are good food producers of ready-made meals and like you said the porridges as well that actually they're you know that they, those companies are out there and it's more highlighted they're, they're looking at doing it better aren't they raising the bar and making sure that people who are wanting ready-made meals for practical purposes actually there is really good stuff out there and I know myself for the many years of living care that it's, it's, it's so, it never ceases to amaze me when somebody has been living by themselves or a couple living by themselves and just not eating well, just poor diet, just generally just lost motivation and interest really. But when actually someone comes into the home, someone that brings back the home cooking, the stimulation of that, the smells, the doing things together, the interaction, and also then obviously the sitting down and sharing the meal, it just changes things. It really does change things dramatically, really. Completely understand though that, you know, that's not achievable in everyone's circumstances. But I think it's a point that you've brought out and something that I've seen over and over again, that the sharing of meals is very much a key aspect to actually someone's health and well-being, especially with food and hydration as well. Unfortunately, there is a real impact, though, isn't there, of poor nutrition and hydration on somebody's body and mind, you know, infections, poor mobility, fatigue, sleeping, all those things and things that you've mentioned as well. And really are some horrifying statistics about the impact of poor nutrition and hydration in older people, especially when they are needing to be hospitalized. So I'm not too sure if you have 
you know, any information or anything you can share about that. I've got some statistics here, but I'm, I'll sort of open up to you first, Vicky. Oh, I'd love to hear your statistics. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> well, well, my ones anyway. Um, so basically, good nutrition reduces the likelihood of hospital admission from urinary tract infections, which are really common. Um, in in the elderly due to the lack of fluids that we've talked about. Um, and there's a proven link between the nutrition and higher risk of those falls. And, and you talk when you talk about UTI, urinary tract infections, both mentally or psychologically and physically, they can have a massive effect. So I'm not too sure if Vicky, if you had this or I have an understanding for your grandmother or anything, but you know, just the, the confusion, the, the, the lack of awareness of what's going on, um, hallucinations from these infections, and then to the fatigue and the falls and, and, and the hospitalization that can come from this. It's, it's a massive spiral, real rabbit hole when actually, and it comes down to just those fluids not coming into the body or being passed through the body properly, really. Um, and the falls, you know, based on that, are the most common cause of accidental injury in over 65. And they cost the NHS around about £2 billion per year just from sort of being able to deal with people falling, whether at home or in care homes. And then so when admitted to hospital, um, that when they are being admitted because of dehydration, there's been links to that there's a massive higher risk to actually mortality, that they're not actually leaving hospital because of that dehydration. Just finishing off that elderly people with poor nutrition take far longer to be discharged from hospital. Then you may say, well, that's yeah, that's by the by, but actually 10 days in hospital, a hospital bed leads to 10 years worth of lost muscle mass in mm. people over 80. That's shocking. And that's mm. massive, isn't it? 10 years. It is, yeah, so every every day to every year. And and so, yes, they people may get discharged. They may have fluid intake when they're there or on IV drips or wherever it may be. Yes, they may have that 24-hour care or people observing. But actually, the damage that's being done during that time for when they do come out, actually what their life looks like when they come out is completely different from what it was when they first went in. And we see this all the time in, in setting up care services for people. And it's it takes a lot for them to try and recover that that frailty, that mobility again, but it really can be really stopped or, or minimized a lot of the time if the fluids and the nutrition, the hydration was sorted a long time before that happens. And you know what, Lee, there's so many things that you said there that just, you know, highlighted to me, we have access to clean water, you know, we don't have to walk miles, we don't have to, we just switch on the tap and we've got clean water. So there must be a reason why they're not drinking it. And so you need to discover for your families why they can't. Is it that they don't respect themselves enough? Is it that they are finding it too difficult to get out to the kitchen? Is it that they find it really boring and they just don't like the taste? What is it? What's the core root cause of why they're not drinking that? Because if you can save them having 10 years of muscle mass reduction and a hospitalization, which might end in mortality from them just drinking water, I mean, that's just, it's heartbreaking to think that people are dying just because of that. When we have access to this water so easily and lots of many people, you know, lots of people don't. Um, it's such an easy thing to do, but it equally isn't an easy thing because there is something that's stopping them from doing it. So as health coaches, that's exactly what we do. Get to the bottom of the reason why they're not. And that's what I'd encourage you to do rather than keep saying, you need to drink the water, you need to drink the water. Because everyone knows they need to drink water. Everyone knows they need to eat more fruit and vegetables, but they're not. And that's the reason. That's what you've got to find out why. And we've got to change that. And 
you know, you only change habits through having a positive experience with them. So if you're drinking water that looks really nice and you feel really good because you've seen this jug next to you and you've poured it out this lovely cucumber water and it tastes really nice and you've drunk the whole jug today and it's made you feel really good, that's only going to make you want to keep doing it. Whereas if your family member just keeps bashing you for not drinking enough water, you're not drinking enough water, you're not drinking enough water, that's not going to make you want to change the habit. So I think that's something really important. I think also to pick up on that our healthcare system is actually a sick care system. It's not a healthcare system. They don't, they're getting you better while you're in there, but then you're going home and you're falling back in the same habits you were before. You know, there's no, there's nothing when you come back of support to prevent that happening again. And actually at the moment, we want to be doing all we can to minimise anyone going to hospital because the chances are, not looking good if you're having to go into hospital right now and if you're going in again it sounds so easy if you're going in just because you're dehydrated you can prevent the mortality that's taking place day after day after day after minute after minute after minute at the moment it's so so important and I think it's easy for us to say and even as an adult that has full mobility and access to water I still find it difficult to sometimes some days drink enough but when you realise what you can do to prevent ill health just through drinking water, then you need to think about it like that. What can we do to prevent this ill health? We don't want to be treating the sick. We want to be preventing it. And unfortunately, you go into hospital and then you get given a medication or go to a GP, you get given a medication to fix that ailment and then you get more symptoms of something else and then you give more medication to fix that ailment and then it goes on and on and on until your kidneys can't work anymore because they've been overloaded with medications they can't eliminate any more toxins because there's too many going in and that's when our bodies start failing us sorry to be very morbid <laughs> no 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 look it, it is it's it, it, unfortunately this is the reality and it, it, it is a vicious cycle you're right vicky there there really is a vicious cycle that we all get into our into our lives but as you've rightfully said earlier in the podcast um, as people get older into you know the over 65s or even later into the 80s you know their body does change and so they really do need to do their best to change with it or to have the support of family who you know maybe listen to this and picking up on things to help them you know do the basics of water and and good food and nutrition those types of things because otherwise it really is a vicious cycle that we can get away with maybe in younger years but it's going to catch up isn't it really i think i think it'd be really good to finish on just some practical and good things so advise your staff and just say like with nutrition you know you talked about good nutrition and regular phys- physical activity play a productive role in in the number of age-related conditions and the more enjoyment people have of food, the healthier they will live. And so just, just some practical things for people listening, signs and symptoms of malnutrition that you may be looking at, not just for yourself, obviously, but maybe for older relatives, a lack of interest in eating and drinking, feeling tired all the time, feeling weak, becoming ill more often and taking longer to recover. So there's some signs and symptoms to look out for. So what top tips with nutrition, you know, could you give to people just to to really quickly finish off? I mean, this is really for everybody, not just the elderly, but whole foods. So non-processed foods, um, foods that have, we say five or less ingredients really are whole foods that you know exactly what's gone in them. They fill you up and they fuel your body. They regulate your cholesterol and they ward off cancer and dementia. We need to be getting as many whole foods in our body as possible. 
and as many green foods as possible because they just contain everything that our body needs. High fibre helps keep your digestive system in shape. It's essential for optimum health. Some additional fibre, th- I'm really focusing on fibre intake at the moment actually. And um, things like ribetas, oats, flaxseed, those things have really high fibre in. Vegetables, I'm saying green vegetables again. Really 30 grams a day is what um, is suggested for an adult uh, of fibre. So keep an eye on that. Um, maintain consistent eating times to stable your blood sugars. So, you know, if you don't feel like eating straight away in the morning, eat, you know, a couple of hours after you've woken up. But eat regularly at the same times each day and probably not three to four hours before you go to bed. So eat earlier, three to four hours before. Just to give your body time during the day to stable its blood sugars once you've eaten and then during the night to give your body time to detoxify. If you can't get access to fresh food um, very easily, frozen food is not terrible. Frozen vegetables actually are frozen from fresh. So if you can't get, for example, berries aren't in season at the moment, fresh berries in your freezer would be really handy to have. I always have broccoli, cauliflower, berries, um, perhaps like mango and things in my freezer, just ready to go into smoothies or to steam for veg in the evenings. Peas are always in there, sweet corn. Um, if that if that's the way you're going to get the veg into your body, then do it that way. And there's no wastage that way as well because you just take out the portions that you need. I really love fred- fruit and vegetable boxes. Um, I think it's really easy to get fresh local ones delivered to your door, seasonal if you can, or organic. I, I love the look of them when they arrive. I just think they look brilliant and it makes me want to eat it. Find your joy in life. You know, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So find some joy. If you're waking up feeling really sad and miserable, let's find you some joy in your life to help you feel, uh, to help you respect yourself enough to to nourish your body with this really good food and through water. There's really no such thing as a healthy diet with high levels of animal produce, unfortunately. So more plant-based foods, um, not saying that anyone should be necessarily vegan or, um, you know, anything like that. But the more plant-based foods you can put in your diet, the better. And just the last thing is green vegetables really are a miracle food against cancer. Um, So I definitely recommend um, including them in your diet every single day. Brilliant. And some practical things, especially with the elderly, just maybe eat in smaller portions more often. Uh, we talked about sharing meals with someone, chopping up those green vegetables or the vegetables, you know, that you can do and fruit as snacks. And I know you mentioned that before. And um, I guess maybe less salty and sugary sort of meals and more starchy carbohydrates and carbohydrates and fish. Yeah. And hydration, just to finish off here. So Basically, old adults do not have to just drink plain water, although we know that's so, so important to get hydrated. But, you know, coffees, the de- de- decaffeinated coffees, teas, the fruit juices you mentioned, some other sweetened beverages, fruits and vegetables, they all contain water for healthy living, I guess. So just for me, just, just to, to put out there, signs and symptoms of dehydration, really important as we talked about the effects of this. So feeling thirsty, dark yellow, and maybe strong smell in urine feeling dizzy or lightheaded, feeling tired all the time, dry mouth, lips and eyes. So really important, not just for your own well-being, for those who are looking after maybe loved ones as well, that when they are there, are these things present? Because if they are, then there's something going on with the, 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 the hydration um, for that loved one. So top tips really quickly, Vicky, for hydration, you would say? Oh, for hydration. Um, so yeah, foods, fruits and vegetables, loads of fruits have lots of water in, uh, things like cucumber, um, celery, really high water content in those sorts of foods. Um, just enjoy what you're drinking, you know, make it look nice, have it in your favourite mug, 
take the time over it and just enjoy it. Um, and if it's a glass of wine, just do it in moderation. <laughs> with a dark chocolate <laughs> yeah brilliant and, and and like you talked about earlier small drinks on a regular basis i know for older people especially that that big mug or that big you know liter bottle that a lot of people would have on their desk is not going to be the way that a, a typically an older person is gonna want to feel motivated for that so you know smaller more regular smoothies and milkshakes you mentioned are really good homemade ice lollies and jelly i guess as well that's pretty good and in, in spring and summer to get water content in and also i think also we are realizing with what we do in support of people is it's just experimenting isn't it really with different drink even diff- different drink temperatures that can you know can really help people a warmer drink is what the person wants so they obviously revert teas and coffees but actually maybe just a warm water or a herbal tea or or just something you know a hot chocolate just just different things that can that can happen really so and ideas so look vicky thank you so so much for for your time honestly it's just been so good to hear about your own personal and professional experiences in this area and i just think whoever's listening to this will definitely pick up on stuff that's going to really support them and their own life and well-being but also for, for elderly loved ones as well so really appreciate it thanks for your time talk to you again thanks for having me on lee